Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 217, Aria 10, In A Storm of Swords. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And are you ready to do episode 217, Chloe? There's a really funny thing you might not know, but before you this, definitely don't. <laughs> no. I definitely introed this as the wrong episode. So that's a peek behind the Emerald Curtain at me being awful. No, I am ready to do this. I'm excited. It's going to be an interesting two chapters, right? Like these are very brief chapters. The next one even briefer than this one. We are not joining them. We are being stubborn. We are keeping them separate. I think we're on a separate ASWAP episode till the end trajectory right now, which is like somewhere around 104 episodes left. Yeah. If we look back, we are lost, Chloe. We can't go back to two episode, two episodes, yeah. two chapter episodes. Like what? Who are they? I don't Eliana's know them. been obstinate about it, but there are opportunities. Like I will tell you reading these, yeah. there's been some opportunities that I'm like, wow, we could have, but we're not going to. We're going to keep moving and give it the, you know, the look it deserves, all of it. Like, even if it's short, I know that sometimes it might feel like a break for you guys if it's a little briefer. So it's like when you're listening to a musical album, right? And then, like, you Mm. know, sometimes they have the little interlude songs. Think of them as fun little musical interludes. Except these are like depressing musical interludes that are sad and awful. I guess the next one does literally have music, though. Going it. I mean, a so lot of musicals really are sad works. and awful, so... That's true. Like, yeah. um... Like, Mean Girls the Musical. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Fuck. <laughs> Alright. Well, we're gonna jump in, but before that, little housekeeping. Uh, if you're listening to this, you should be listening to bonus episodes, too, right? And how do you get those bonus episodes from Girls Gone Canon? Patreon.com slash Girls Gone Canon in the Stranger tier and above. That's a $5 tier and up. Get bonus episodes every month and watch out. We are finishing the novel, The Hunger Games, a reread for both of us. We've taken it all the way back to 2013, 2014. (laughs) You know, we're really just hitting it, uh, hitting our stride. But no, I'm having a blast. We're rereading The Hunger Games. We are just finishing the first novel, the third act, The Victor. That will be out for all patrons at the end of this February. Uh, And Next month, I think we already know what we're going to do, too, because now that we finished The Hunger Games, we need to take a break, you know, uh, fulfill ourselves and not be hungry. That was a really stupid joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're going to move to, I mean, this is big. We haven't come back to this in a while, to this series, yeah. but I think we're going to go across the sea to Bravos. I think we're going to board that ship because we're about to cover it with Miss Aria very soon. Yes, we're bringing back the Freeze Cities series. If you don't know what that yeah. is, it's a series that we were also doing on Patreon, and you can catch up with some gems such as Mirror Mirror on the Wall, and it's a me, Dario, the Tyrosh episode. <laughs> and all, we did actually split up the least episodes even, mm-hmm. because there's just a lot to cover in that one, so... Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna go to Bravos in March. <laughs> it's spring break. And then we're gonna come back oh to Catching God. Fire probably like probably in April, but anyways, it'll be after the Bravos episodes, just because I find it confusing that the Hunger Games is the name of the first book and the series. So we are continuing that series probably. Yeah, we definitely wanna continue through that. And for those of you his Dark Materials fans, 
we are working on coming to the secret commonwealth as well but we feel i feel like we're waiting for a little more announcement from mr pullman is all yeah which i don't think is far off but no it's soon a lot of priorities to juggle is all we're saying yeah and I just, Malcolm. All right. Anyways. 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 Uh, that's a whole other series. We'll talk about that some other time on those podcasts. Go listen to our HDM is Dark Materials podcast. But if you are a patron in the Thunder tier and above, and you were not hanging out with our Galentine's Day brunch and happy hour this month, uh, we would love to have you next month. Right? You just missed it. Two seventeen. I'm guessing it was a blast. We're pre-recording this, but I'm guessing we have a fucking good time because our patrons fucking rock. Uh, so join up, become a Thunder Tier patron, get access to Discord where we do a monthly brunch and happy hour where we just fucking bullshit. We hang out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we play games. Sometimes we stream videos that are really dumb. Those were cool videos. The hamster wheel for cats and humans. And sometimes we discuss our personalities, unfortunately, like our uh, Enneagrams, our friend Roland. The Bastard of Night Song. We know him IRL. He is our Enneagram-like ambassador. He always brings the Enneagram discussion, so that's been constant. And sometimes I'll get drunk and pull out my astrology book. It's fun. We're having fun. I think you should have fun with us on March 24th from 2 p.m. ET to 4 p.m. ET, where we hang out for the next brappy hour. Yes. So, hope to see you there, or be square, but... Maybe you just, like, are not a person who enjoys, I don't know, being in video calls. You can send us an email or a tweet of note. We have a couple of emails. We've been, we've been stockpiling them. And here's, here's a fun one from our friend Brandon. Not that Brandon, but maybe that Brandon. Could be. Could be any of them. Mm-hmm. You're a monster. <laughs> Brandon said, I really enjoyed your most recent Arya episode. It had many of my favorite things. One, talking about Sansa's chapters being next. Yes, we did talk about how they're next. Just kidding. This is a great way to ensure we get more Sandor content in the near future. (laughs) I can't wait. I haven't actually sat down to think about it, but I'm like, there's not a lot of Sandor content in my future, so I need to get it out of my system now. Two, Emotional attacks from Eliana. I'm really glad to hear about Grey Wind's death <laughs> and Rob's double death before we even get to the Red Wedding. I look forward to a good cry. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, Three. you'll like this episode. <laughs> and I don't one. even need to explain why Ashara Dane's awesome. I'll just remind everyone her name technically rhymes with Sandor Clegane. Nice. I guess it does. Nice. That can be. Yeah. That can, that's a new poem. That's a new song. We're working on it. Maybe the prequel to the Rebellion musical. Anyways, thank you for all your work, he says. I hope 2024 is treating everyone well. You know, Brandon, 2024 has socked me in the fucking face like 10 times, but I really love you and appreciate you. All the same. All the same. Not your fault. You know, every single year I should just go with no expectations, but... um, Yeah, just stumble over the bar, you know, just roll right over it. That's what I'm doing. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what happened, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this, like, Ashara Dane, Sandra Clegane uh-uh. song. We start out, we're saying something, something, Ashara Dane, and then we're like, and recently, not yet born, is Sandor Clegane, because he oh. would not yet be born. <laughs> but I'm loving right? the overall show tune vibe that you're already putting into it. I think or it has some born? merit, some weight, some merit fray. Oh, I think it has some merit fray, some weight. Wow. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, 
Thank you for your email, Brandon. We really <laughs> appreciate you. it. And we did get a message from our friend Warren, the hedge knight. You never know. You might see that guy around these parts once in a while. You just might. Well, Warren says, I'm just composing a quick catch-all mail on the topic of Sandor and the Stark Girls as you're covering the mentorship of Arya at the moment. One of my favorite parts of Arya's arc is her mentors and the direct influences and lessons they leave with her for a long time. I thought this was a concept George explored in her arc. Listening to your podcast in the POV style, it became very evident early on that this is not the case. And in fact, actual mentors play a very prominent role in all the Starkling POVs. Of course, you guys emphasize this point by leaving Arya, the best Starkling, not that it's a contest, until last. As you can hmm. see, everyone, Warren's very objective about this. Um, one thing that does interest me through these chapters, though, is how Sandor's the only one who has been a mentor to two Starks. As we went through Sansa's chapters, it was very evident that she was having as much, maybe more, of an effect on him as he was on her, and it's interesting to observe the same dynamic develop during his time with Arya, too. His determination in those early chapters to ransom her and maybe take up service with Rob, as he had for Joffrey, resorting to all he knows in a bid to regain some kind of sense of himself, not just after the Blackwater, but after the Brotherhood Without Banners stripped him of all his worldly goods. The only redemption he can see is a return to type. But while he's with Arya, they both come to realize that they are broken in different ways. I think in the Red Wedding chapter, I love slash hate so much. And they demonstrate the same behaviors and realize they've actually got things in common. Interested to hear your observations on this subject, and my ears will be finely tuned. There's, there's Warren's ears. Someone's got to tune those ears. My god. Warren, thank you so much for this email. I think this is great as we head into the tragedy of the Red Wedding one last time. Actually, no, that's not true. We'll get some of it in Tyrion's chapters, too, to talk about someday. Could be tomorrow. Could be next year. Could be never. You just never know. You just never know. No just one like knows. the wind's winner. No one knows. Look under your chairs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, Warren. Lovely to hear from you, always. Well, that's gonna throw us into the lightning round for what we missed between Arya 9 and Arya 10 in A Storm of Swords, I will start us off with John 6, where John tries to evacuate Molestown. John then learns of Winterfell's fate. Big sad. Womp womp. Dead. Kellen 6, at the gates to the twins, something feels off. Miss Clavel, something is not right. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your instincts, girlfriend. Uh, oh my god, stand to up, your heart. Kellen. Listen to Stoneheart. <sighs> She, when when it's calling. saying some shit. Oh. <laughs> That's what she's saying. All sorry, right. everyone. I'm so sorry. Arya 10. Overview. As Arya and Sandor arrive at the twins, where he plans to ransom her to her family. Wow. Listen, this, this is a crazy chapter. This chapter is just like foreshadowing on foreshadowing on foreshadowing yeah. on foreshadowing. There's so many watch out, look behind you moments. Don't you see what's happening? Like, oh no, they have their AirPods in. They do not see. Uh, <laughs> and for real, and, and reading this like back to back with Arya 11, which I did today, and then I stopped and went back with all the cattle and stuff too, just to reread. George was crafting this area of the book so carefully, right? Like, you know, he spent hours and hours and hours and hours as he went through this. And we could have easily done this chapter. It was like a cat Arya, cat Arya. 
sandwich chapter, the length of the chapters, like we said, is short, right? But it adds a certain percussion of rhythm. It ramps up the tension. Like you don't just kill Catalan and Rob off in one chapter. You get a couple chapters together with other chapters that add that suspense, add that tension, and mm-hmm. it turns into this like rhythmic shocking reveal and betrayal and you start to kind of see george's background with his experience in writing for tv right you see where everything is almost picturesque everything is almost cinematic everything is playing out on a screen in front of you and stoking the fire that is the the tension the drama and even as we get to the end of catalan six right he he does all these fake outs and we'll talk about the fake outs as we go but catalan we're going home is the end of catalan six right Arya ten is like i'm here i'm going home the next chapter is Catalan 7, LOL. And then uh, the <laughs> chapter after that is Arya 11, LOL, as well. Like, ha ha ha, you fucking thought. Lowercase, LOL. Yeah. Lowercase, LOL, yeah. To signify she's the child and Catalan is the mother. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all day. But yeah, I-, I think it's like really interesting to string it all together and to watch as this plays out how George wanted it to be presented. You can see... Hell, you can see why we don't have a book. Like, you can see he cares so much about the way the reader interprets how these chapters come across and the feeling, right? Like, I remember Mm. when I read The Red Wedding. I remember how I felt. I remember, like, not being able to put the book down, first of all. You know, when you're reading a long book and you're like, okay, I can go a couple more chapters. I'm almost sure that I was like, I can go a couple more chapters. And then I got in and I was like, I have to finish it tonight. I cannot put this book down. I have to finish tonight. That's probably what happened to me, which is why I try to read boring books before I go to sleep, because otherwise I will be up and it'll be four in the morning and I'll be like, I've made a huge mistake, but I needed to know what Mm -hmm. happened. And (laughs) I finished most books at 4 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I read Storm like very fast. So that was probably also the case. And I, I, someone had spoiled Rob's death for me, like some rando like in some Facebook comment like on like I don't know a public thing and so I knew it was gonna happen at some point I didn't know exactly when but like Mm -hmm. so what did happen at the red wedding I was like oh okay that happened it wasn't as shocking does that make sense like it wasn't as shocking Mm -hmm. because I knew something like that was gonna happen but it was still like pretty intense I think the Arya stuff like that happens next chapter was a little more shocking and of course I mean Catalan dying I didn't know and I mean the lines of not my hair Ned loves my hair iconic yeah so pain pain no no everything was not there oh my god um (laughs) yeah yeah it's an emotional you know we're setting the scenery because this is an emotional ass couple of chapters and it's also different to be there from Arya's perspective on the ground, but outside of where the real battle is kind of going, the big battle. But also this is like a real battle. It is just as real as what's happening inside, and that's what makes it even more of a tragedy. What's happening on the ground is just as bad, if not worse, than what's happening inside. Yeah. Well, Arya and Sandor are about an hour out of the Green Fork with a Wayne slogging down a muddy road, hoping to avoid outriders that are spurring towards them, and Stranger follows them, tied to the wagon. We have some of that mentor advice from Sandor. He tells Arya, keep your head down and your mouth shut. And it makes me actually think of the one of the main characters in his dark materials, Will, who's really good at just sort of blending into the background, right? He's good at being unseen. And I really love that this is Sandor's lesson to Arya because there's a lot of different ways that we see her kind of, you know, also blend into the background. But this one's part of it as well. Like, just don't stand out. This is some rote, like, everyday thing. 
And it also makes me think like this is a lesson that he himself had to learn to keep out of Gregor's sights. And it's interesting because we don't think of Sandor like that, right? He's always got something snarky mm -hmm. to say. He set, plays such a big role in two of the characters' POVs that I don't think of him as someone who keeps his mouth shut. He says a lot of like things all the time. He's always got comebacks. So this is kind of, I think, a young Sandor lesson. You know, a long time ago, it's interesting you say that because we see it in like his clothing, right? You see it in his muted wardrobe, even when he was a Kingsguard, quote unquote, at court in mm, Clash, right? Mm. Like he refused to wear the uniform. He didn't wear everything oh, until right, the end, yeah. right? Like he slowly kind of transforms into it. And it's interesting that now that he's broken from the Kingsguard, you see him in all these muted colors that we're going to talk about, right? Like he's always wearing gray. His eyes are gray. There's a lot about him that sticks out as gray. Quiet and luxury. Yeah, <laughs> quiet luxury. It means. Oh my god, soft, gentle, but also hard. But but it's interesting you say like him having to learn to keep out of sight, although being like huge, hulking, and scarred, and learning to blend into the background. That's definitely something you see in how he's dressed here because he's wearing green rough spun and suit gray mantle and hood. These are all colors that blend in with some of the northern wear. Right, they don't usually wear bright colors in the north blends in with the surroundings because everything's super gray and he actually looks kind of like a big farmer under the clothing he's just wearing boiled leather and oiled mail no sigils you know his, his helm's been put away he could be anyone he could be anyone like a farmer and Arya could be a farmer's son and she still she still does not love playing this role but anyways they could be swineherds also. That's also one of the things they're pretending to be. And inside their wagon are casks of salt pork and pickled pig's feet. Mm. These outriders, though, a knight and two squires are carrying a spear and a sword and some longbows. And the badges on the squire's surcoats are a black pitchfork and a golden bar sinister on a russet field. Arya had considered several times revealing herself to these outriders that they encountered on the road. But each time they had such unfamiliar standards and she was like, I don't know. I don't know. So there are no white and gray wolves, no umber giant, no glover fist, which makes me sometimes think of the little fist on Gregor's helm. And mm. such an interesting fashion statement. The knight asks if they have business at the twins and Sandor mumbles his reply that they got salt pork for the feast. It's not really like a connection connection, but something I've really liked. When Rob comes to the twins, the phrase are like, well, we'll give you a leg of mutton for your wolf and put him with the master of hounds, obviously to like get rid of him so he's not a threat. And Rob says he's a dire wolf, not a dog, and dangerous to men he does not trust. Not that dogs aren't that. We look at Sandor, you know, he's dangerous to men he doesn't trust. But there's almost like a little dichotomy there. Like this was just the last chapter. Now Arya and Sandor are here with that whole theme of do you know what dogs do to wolves, etc. And here's another dire wolf who's come to the twins and she has shitty salt pork not mutton but shitty salt pork with her own master of hounds sandra clegane it's a cool yeah. entrance like parallel i don't know i like it i like yeah. it yeah yeah like the food is really interesting in these like few chapters you know with the they're not like appetizing food so mm -hmm. it is interesting like the way that people react to this salted pork and pickled pig's feet and i don't know i haven't had pickled pig's feet i don't i don't know if i'd like it or not but uh salted pork i've I had mean, pig's feet i mean i've had i've had pickled. fried pig's feet delicious mm -hmm, me too. Great. delicious yeah that one time me and you went and had pig's ears too and that was fucking awesome oh yeah Ooh, remember I that love, that place um, fucks 
It was Laotian. Yeah, we went and had yeah, Laotian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think about lob every day. A, I haven't had that in a while. Anyways, salted pork. I assume it's <sighs> like ham, but I'm also thinking of like, it's yeah. not a pickled p- pig's foot, but now I'm thinking like salted pork foot ham's hock. Fantastic in, you know, collard greens, red beans and rice. So this is not about the chapter. The night based. Now we're just hungry. To, yeah. Sorry. We'll everyone. talk about this more, unfortunately. I'm sorry, but I have a lot to say later about it. We, but please, Eliana, take it away. <laughs> yeah. The, the night pays no attention to Arya, but does stare long and hard at Stranger, who obviously is not a common plow horse. So I think that's really interesting. And the knight asks how they came across this horse, and Sandor lies, saying, like, oh, his lady told him to bring the horse as a wedding gift for the young Lord Tully. And he says that his lady is old lady went and the knight says does she think she can buy Hall back with a horse god is there any fool like an old fool and i'm like where is she went where has she went <laughs> okay i refuse to believe lady went is dead i think we discussed this a little in our Hall episode our house went episode mm-hmm. and where in brienne chapters went? there's that little theory like we think we see her maybe maybe yeah you never know i think that yeah, I don't think she's dead, for sure. Mm-mm. I hope not, but I guess maybe sometimes people are dead, but I just don't feel like that's true. I just, and I, I agree. Sometimes people are dead, but not her. <laughs> there's also something to, to pay attention to here, right? And maybe some of this might come from George's gardening, as we've discussed with the Wentz in that episode, for example. We talk about it on our Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanoncanon. But this feels like a hint, right? Like, we know that eventually and also like literally in the next bit but also you know that donald high doesn't report into the tullies like that like he's not there to be besties with them he doesn't like he he we see him in the capital trying to gain favor you know all the time these people are willing to disrespect the groom's maternal side right here right now like that's a big like what why are you talking shit about edmir's mom and her family, you know what I mean? Like, not, yeah. his, not but like the Wentz. And then also it's showing how out of touch of information that Sandor is because he doesn't think anything of it. And he also hasn't really been around and hearing what's going on with Harrenhal. You know, he yeah, knows his brother's true. out there, but he doesn't know that Lady Went was like pushed out. He was gone. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's just been busy also trying to survive, I guess. But yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Like, he. He doesn't really think much about Gregor being out there. He's kind of just surprised when Arya's like, yeah, duh, this is what's been going on. I've been all over. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from that Went gardening that we've talked about, too, that George just absolutely wasn't fully ready to flesh all that out and was kind of focusing on the main stuff. But this is kind of where things start to develop out of that gardening. And we see that feast and dance are where he really expounds on them. Uh, he wasn't yeah. quite ready. He had enough on his fucking plate here. Also, they're bats. You know, bats are like super great. They're very cute. They're like dogs with wings. Aww, rabies. Yeah, I was also gonna say like and disease, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so Sir Donald High lets Sandor and Arya pass, and they continue their trek. Once the men are gone, Sandor snorts and says, "Sir Donald High." I've taken more horses off him than I can count. Armor as well. Once I near killed him in a melee. Nice. Arya asks, (laughs) why didn't he know you then? And Sandor says, knights are fools. And it would be beneath him to look twice at a peasant. 
Keeping your eyes down and your tone respectful can, it turns out, keep you out of trouble. He may have noticed Stranger if he had ever seen Sandor ride him, but they got really lucky. Arya thinks, he would have known your face, though, and that Sandor's scars were hard to forget, and his hound helm, too. I love this as foreshadowing towards her journey and feast, right? Sandor is kind of following that believe-what-you-see logic that Arya has started to learn about, but Arya also notices that, like, okay, but your face is kind of a dead giveaway. If you had just lifted your chin up, you would have been fucked. If only there was a way to change your face, but that's impossible. That's impossible. The same move. Could never happen. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure he knows that, right? That's why he, like, goes in with the hood and he's like, you know, dark Kermit hours and <laughs> the daemon uh targaryen hood. <laughs> the daemon targaryen hood but also i mean great call like on this and also with the helm stuff and there's foreshadowing around that too how it like stands in for sandor and we'll discuss it more later probably but like this ability that you can define your own narrative versus letting others define it it's a big part of jamie's storyline and because he's like let others kind of define it for him this whole time and mm-hmm. kind of let people get carried away with the story there's now this like whole narrative around like the hound based on whoever's wearing the helm and now he's gonna get in trouble for all this shit that he hasn't done when he as he has like as we've discussed actual things he's done but anyways and might even play a part in Arya deciding to remove herself from the story at some point. Them not recognizing Sandor, though, and not really looking, also, it just reminds me of the TSA, <laughs> right? That they don't check Sandor's face, because apparently, like, if you look at studies at the TSA's effectiveness, they're actually really bad at screening things that go through security, in- like, including actual weapons and guns. They miss when guns go through security, apparently, a lot, because they're looking for things that, like, could maybe be a weapon like all of my makeup and my lotions and every single fucking time my microphone like i get my bag pulled every single time and i always know and i shout at them it's a microphone this literally happens to me all the time (laughs) i feel like this is gonna happen to me sometime this year yeah i'm I'm always like it's a microphone anyways so that's my rant about the tsa let me bring more than 100 milliliters a facial product. Sandor also saying that they might have recognized Stranger if they'd ever actually seen and paid attention to Sandor riding him. I think that that's interesting that they might recognize the horse because there are different kinds of horses, but also it's the same energy as like I sometimes will see dogs around the neighborhood and I'll be like, I know this dog, but I don't know the person with them. I don't recognize this person, even if I've seen them, but I'm like, I do know that this is Pancakes the Pug. <laughs> No, this happened to you. I was like, I know this dog. <laughs> I have actually seen you in action when it comes to like a dog on the street, and it, it's real though. Like I'm laughing. She's whimsical. She's quirky. Everyone, but no, this is real. Like Eliana with the dog, she will literally stop, and like the world melts away before her, and nothing matters but just telling it how good it is. Yeah, it's real. I have a picture or video of you <laughs> doing that. Uh, last uh, a while ago. A very yeah, long I was time like, ago. that was a long time ago now. <laughs> Jesus, who are we? Who are we? Oh my god, we'll take new dog videos this summer. I feel it coming. It's coming. Mm, mm. Eliana will find some dogs this summer, and I will bear witness to it for you all. For you all. (laughs) We take a quick rewind to how Sandor and Arya got here. You're probably wondering (laughs) how they got here. 
Sandor said he wouldn't be brought before her brother in chains and that he doesn't want to cut through men to get to them, so they play a little game. On the king's road, they meet a farmer who gave them his wain, horses, garbs, and casks. Just he didn't give them willingly. It was taken at sword point. The farmer curses him for a robber, but Sandor says, no, no, I'm a forager. <laughs> uh, that gets me. Eliana's into foraging these days, so she'll get Trying it. Trying to be. <laughs> By the evening, they're close, still trudging towards the twins. Arya thinks she should be excited, but she's nervous. She had a bad dream the night before, but she can't really remember any of it. Just that looming feeling of dread. So real. Yeah, actually, now that you say it, I think one of the biggest distinctions when it comes to when I forage or try to is it's from, like, plants in the ground and not from other people. So mm. <laughs> seems like a pretty big distinction. Mm. Anyways, she... Um, another distinction is one is stealing, the other is just foraging. You know... You He's know. hunting and gathering. Oh my god, what a king. I go hunting and gathering sometimes, which yeah. is where I order pizza and make my husband go get it. Hunting people, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Arya has this like bad dream here, and then they're all like, oh, but she doesn't remember it. And I'm like, what is the dream? I want to know. And I mean, I think we can all kind of assume and guess what it's probably about. It's probably something sort of like green dreamy red wedding related or maybe it's even like nymeria mm -hmm. sensing things going awry in like the fray camp or whatever who knows i don't know but either way like clearly it's some sort of warning she definitely feels super connected to nymeria through these chapters but she doesn't feel like she's accepting the connection so much if mm. that makes sense like yeah. she sees it as kind of like an issue or like a like something getting in the way and she's not opening up to it. But like, it feels like Demaria is like in her brain so hard during all this. Yeah, Arya's just like, well, that was weird. What a vivid dream. I Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Fear cuts deeper than swords. She knows she needs to be brave, strong, like her father had told her. All there is between her and her mother is a castle gate, a river, an army. But it's Rob's army, so it's not dangerous, right? 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 Uh, those were a lot of then, things. Yeah, those, those are like a lot of things to get through when you're fucking nine. She remembers the leech lord is one of Rob's men, though, and it makes her uneasy. She had fled Harrenhal from him as much as she had fled from the Mummers, and she had even cut one of Lord Bolton's men. Does Roos know that she did that? Or did he blame Gendry or Hot Pie? Would he have told her mother? Aww. She then thinks, wait... He won't recognize me <laughs> because I look like a drowned rat, not a cupbearer. Like, a drowned Bolton boy rat. Tattle me. It's kind of funny. Yeah, she definitely like thinks he's gonna care to remember her when it's like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't care about anything except, um, you know, his leeches. Yeah, he only cares about his skin and winning. He, like doesn't even care about his son. Yeah, his trinitoin prescription is up, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really think anything of that symbolism of the drowned rat. Maybe you did because you're rat-coated. That's just who you are as a person. I'm not insulting her, everyone listening. I know Eliana deserves better, but this is what she has. It's me. But, um... <laughs> what the fuck? I'll never forget that one person who just was like... I think they, like, DM'd me on Tumblr. They're like, Eliana deserves better. And I'm like, okay, then she should go get better. This is what she has. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know. So I don't dumb. Know. But the people, the people want to free you, Eliana, is what I'm trying to tell you. I chose free Eliana. Life. Oh my this god, this me. woman's work. <laughs> I'm an adult. So, yeah, I stop movifying Eliana. <laughs> just because she's just a girl, she's also an adult. Thank you. 
Look, Eliana might be just a girl, but she's also an adult. Uh... I don't know. It's interesting to think how she was like a cat in King's Landing. And here, mm. outside her brother and mother's death, she's a drowned rat moving her down the food chain, right? And soon she'll return to being a cat in Feast, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. A different cat. A cat of a different coat, someone might say, which I feel like you're going to talk about that next chapter. But, 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 she does feel like, you know, I don't know. I love the look from the front of the series to a storm of swords. Like, she's at a low right now. This is a very low point in her life. It's not good. Not good. <laughs> Like, you just make it sound like she's at a low point in her life, you know? She lost her job. She went through a breakup. Yeah. She's yeah. eating Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> Better than I, I am. Damn, I want Ben and Jerry's. Just kidding. They're like worms. She's just eating worms. She, she likes the, you know, chocolate, like, with the worm, gummy worms, like, kinds mm, of ice cream and stuff. A little pudding bowl, like yeah. a mud thing, mud pie thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I'd eat that. Ooh, that sounds good. Mm. But... That that's a good point, like how she's moving down the food chain right now, and I love I love that symbolism. And yeah, she goes through a As lot a of different rat. animals. Yeah, <laughs> well, she was a weasel at one point too. You know, mm-hmm. interesting. All of them are go through different animals. Not all. You know those Westerosi. Just the girls. Well, Sandor had given Arya a haircut two days ago. Turns out he's not a great barber, and <laughs> <laughs> now she's like half bald-headed and she's like what the fuck this is even worse i hate being sandor's son my hair is stupid he's stupid (laughs) my family probably won't even recognize me and then she also thinks about like how she was a little girl the last time that she had seen rob and catelyn and it was the day that lord eddard left winterfell isn't it so funny that both Arya and Catelyn get haircuts in these back-to-back oh, chapters of Arya Ten and Cat Seven? What an interesting oh my God. way to phrase that! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They only get one haircut, you know, and that hair happens to be for one of them or their life. <sighs> oh, that hair happens to be the thread of her life. Oh wow. God. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to talk about this though on a serious level not just me playing on our emotions i want to talk about this from a couple ways so stay with me stay with the vision everybody you know just cozy up gather around it's time for a mini essay there's a lot of symbolism in haircuts in hair we've talked about it before right we've talked about hair and how it can represent certain society class expectations of gender roles I've talked about Ashara Dane's hair before, actually, believe it or not. I've talked about Ashara Dane and the symbolism in her hair and how it's depicted in kind of a relation to Mary Magdalene and into paintings from the past and hair covering shame and indecency. But I want to bring a different angle today to talk about this through kind of a fairy tale symbolism from hmm. Grimm's Rapunzel. And there's something of like her hair being cut off, especially when she's so close to meeting her mother and thinking about the way that Catelyn expects her to fit within the Westerosi society and the ways that Arya feels alienated and isolated from her mother and disconnected from her mother, right? And obviously none of this is one one. Grimm's Rapunzel is where we get a lot of symbolism actually for hair in our little human world these days. Like a lot of the ideas come from that. And I have to kind of quote a very interesting essay It's Jeffrey J. Anderson's Rapunzel, The Symbolism of Cutting Hair. It's a psychoanalytic essay, basically. So some of it goes into a lot more of psychoanalytics, of patients and programs, but also there's a lot of talk about Rapunzel 
and Anderson identifies basically the plot of Rapunzel and recounts that maternal link between mother and daughter and how it's so symbolic in the themes, depending on what you're reading, looking at, watching. Obviously, in Grimm's, the woman who steals Rapunzel, you know, isn't technically her mother, but raises her as her child. And in the fairy tale, Rapunzel ends up choosing to venture out and have a life beyond her mother, an unsheltered life, right? She cuts off her hair, severing the link between her and her mother, and chooses a man, a different, a new family that she can make, a man, and a kingdom over her mother's overbearing love, quote-unquote. Uh, so not one-to-one. And Jeffrey Anderson says, in a different language we know, the three symbolic meanings of cutting hair to be are castration, loss of the mother, and reparation. Uh, obviously, neither of these women choose to leave their mothers, right? Their mothers are taken from their lives far too early. But I think of this alongside Catelyn and the loss of her mother, too. Her promotion to being lady of the family and to take on this maternal parentified role to her siblings and kind of embrace duty once that link was severed between her and her mother. And for Arya, I see a little bit of it, too. Here, Sandor cuts Arya's hair, almost resembling his hair, right? Cut wonky on one side, bald-headed, long head, long on the other. Right before he also saves her from heading into that devastation of the Red Wedding, where Catelyn herself is pleading to the phrase not to cut her hair in madness. Her connection to this world, to her family, her hair serves as almost an umbilical link between her and her wolflings, her Starklings. Sandor almost makes Arya in his image, right? Which is almost the only way he knows how to make it sufferable for Arya. Like, the only way she's going to be able to get through this horrible event that's happening of her losing her family this idea also comes of the loss of a mother figure for a pack, whether that pack is dog, lion, or wolf. The unraveling of the pack, too, once you lose that member of the family. Sandor was also torn from his mother, it seems, at her death, right? A loss of a protector. A loss of someone who should shepherd you through class and gender dynamics in the world. And I kind of presume that's what the last light in his family must have been, right, before her death before Gregor and his father, who was too afraid of Gregor to do anything before it was just them three, after the sister died as well. Almost like a loss of that character like Joanna Lannister. We hear that she was the only person that made the Lannister's world tick, the clock in their life tick, that quiet echo that none of us see in the story, but we presume is there. And Sandor making Arya in his image in this moment kind of feels like his way of saying, like, look, you'll get through it. This is what I did. We're going to get you there, disguise you to come in, except then, like, it all unravels and it's horrible. And yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But something interesting going on here with the haircuts. Obviously, there's Samson and the idea of power and hair. Uh, we talked a lot during our, yeah, yeah. the castration. Yeah, yeah. I like what you're saying. And like, are we making, I mean, he's he's taking a wolf and changing its coat. And uh, and hair to look like a dog's, right? Balto. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but but as you said, right, the changing of the hair because I mean, like both of them do get those haircuts. So in a way, like she's straddling those two worlds, you know. Because mm -hmm. what is it? Isn't Catelyn's hair like some of it is torn out? Also, when we see her, mm -hmm. when we see her next, and modeled and yeah, yeah, fried. yeah, because of all that. So. There's the severing, but also at the same time, that connection. And I mean, honestly, Arya, like this haircut, it, what it sounds like you got was really in in the early 2010s. Um, <laughs> what, what, what was that called? I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, the little asymmetrical, like, the Skrillex. Yeah. A little like shaved part of the cut mm -hmm. stuff. 
So the undershave that yeah. like, you know, mohawk, but not. Yeah, yeah, I had one. I don't want to talk about it. I also didn't have eyebrows. I don't want to talk about that either. I, I drew them. Your, your eyebrows are so perfect. How could you not? I know. Them? I know. It was a phase. It was a phase. <laughs> if you want to see pictures, you I can't. guess join the Discord. Maybe I'll show you. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> say so you can't. So, you know, speaking of that separation from her mother, right? And the way that she's looking and and that like tearing away of the umbilical cord. I mean, she really gets fucking torn away from her family again here, first of all. But mm-hmm. she's, again, worried that her family isn't going to want her back. And I'm thinking of also like, you were talking about the gendered aspects of hair as well, but her thinking that last time that these two members of her family had seen her, she was a little girl, right? And now now we're seeing that she feels like she has grown so much. She's like lived dozens of different lives. How many lifetimes has she lived until she's gotten to this moment? How many people has she been? Like, who is she anymore, right? At least she's alive and not dead like those family members. But anyways... There's also this this painful reminder there that the last time she saw them, it wasn't even like at King's Landing. It wasn't the last time like she had seen them before her dad died. It was like at the very beginning. It was when she left home. And I don't know, wondering if they'll know her because also there's that aspect of you recognize people when you expect to see them in certain contexts, right? Like you when you're a child and you're like, whoa, I'm sorry, is that my teacher at the grocery store? That's weird. <laughs> the like, gas station. Who are you? What do you mean yeah. you exist outside of here? So, very interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely something too in that idea, especially like in the next book as we get into her being at the brothels and starting to like befriend some of these sex workers and learn about their lives and even finding some power in what they do, right? And, mm. and starting to kind of contextualize her place within all these people and getting secrets and sharing them and the house of black and white. There's something there with hair, too, and something about that reparation and growth to come. Mm, absolutely. Well, let's get into it. The wedding's starting a little. We have this line of, They heard the music before they saw the castle, the distant rattle of drums, the brazen blare of horns, the thin skirling of pipes faint beneath the growl of the river, and the sound of the rain beating on their heads. We've missed the wedding, but it sounds as though the feast is still going. I'll be rid of you soon. No. I'll be rid of you, Arya thought. The northwest road turns west, between an apple orchard and drowned ears of corn. They crest a rise, and suddenly castles, river, and camps all appear. Hundreds of horses, thousands of men, all milling about three giant feast tents. The musicians inside are playing different music than the musicians at the outdoor feast, so it sounds more like a battle than a song. Arya says out loud, that isn't very good, and Sandor gives a harsh laugh, saying, There's old deaf woman in Lannisfort complaining of the din, I'll warrant. I'd heard Walder Frey's eyes are failing, but no one mentioned his bloody ears. Hmm. Now I'm like, are they going to take his ears and add it to a chain of things? Anyways, Ooh, I don't yeah, think so. Shaga, get in there. Yeah, I don't think so, but it's just a thought. Yeah, so it probably sounds like a battle because it is a battle and not a song. <laughs> So, uh, the there's, again, all of these things in Arya's storyline that it's really interesting with how it plays upon our assumptions versus what's actually happening, and that disconnect between, A, not, not just, like, learning to see things as they are, but also what it means to be a child and learning to, to understand the world as it is, and, you know, she is learning to look with her eyes, but she hasn't learned to do that with all of her senses yet, right? Like, for example, she hasn't learned 
to truly hear. Like, to be like, well, if it sounds like a battle, it must be a fucking battle, right? And it sounds off. And Catalin knew. Catalin knew something's wrong immediately. And Arya, Arya doesn't think about it yet. Yeah, she's clouded with the hope of reuniting with her family. You know, like, that's yeah. a predisposition she has in this situation. I can't fault her. I would be too. But every sign around them is pointing to things being off. Because, like, not only is the music bad, it's because they aren't musicians, right? It's yeah. because they're all warriors. They're here for battle. They're not here to play music. Yeah. I mean, even Sandor doesn't pick up on it immediately, right? And he's the one that we would expect to have, like, this really heightened sense, I think, of maybe danger. But he thinks that his future is just beyond, that he's so close. He can taste the money. He can taste, like, having a home. Yeah. And I mean, it's understandable. Like, you want something to be real so bad, you try and manifest it. Oh, yeah, that must be how Peter Baelish feels. Weird. Gross. Ew. <laughs> I don't want to feel any of that. Okay. Uh, Arya wishes that it were daytime, right? So she could look for the northern sigils she knows by heart. But in the gloom of night, all the colors look gray. Again, that same idea of, like, everyone's in different factions in camp, but when you throw them into the long night against the others, everyone's going to be the same and on the same side, ideally, but maybe not. But also, that lack of black and white morality, they are all gray. Especially because gray is, like, the start color, and yet here it's used against her. Like, she can't oh, see through the gray. I like that. I like that. Thank you. I like what you said, too. But I just was thinking, because of what you said, you're very inspirational. Wow, wow, wow. You Free do me. this to me all the time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Free her! <laughs> what the fuck? Arya and Sandor come to the entrance where a hedge of wagons and carts are drawn to create a wooden defensive wall from the outside. But oh god, I'm sitting here reading it and I'm like, yes, that's what you would think, that they're making a defense so no one can come in, but it's not for the outside, it's to keep the people in. Whoa. Uh, oh, it's just like the Blackwater. Yeah, exactly. They're hurting them. God. Mm. Mm. And they think Arya and Sandor could be swineherds layers. Oh, man. Fuck. Fuck. Well, the guards stop them, and the guards are decked in the flayed man of the Dreadfort on their uniforms. Sandor tries their same story on them, but these guys are a little smarter than Donal High. They say salt pork isn't fit for a feast, nor are pickled pig's feet. Disagree. And the feast is almost over anyways. Okay, well, that's kind of, you know, that's a fair point. The guard says he's a Northman, not some milk-sucking southern knight. Yeah, for sure. Amen, brother. <laughs> what the fuck? I love... I love the reflection here of the men who are not knights, right, or stuck in that southern nicety. Uh, they're smarter in some ways, street smarter than men like High. Uh, they understand pig's feet and salt pork isn't made for a lord's feast. Not that the food they're having is much better inside, as we know, but likely because they've had to eat salt pork a lot more than the lords have eaten it before. And it's not bad, right? Like, you and I were talking already about it, but... I think of, like, pancetta, right? Super Ooh. salty pork, bacon that has been super, super salted so that it can be preserved. The whole point of salted meat is the preservation, and to your point, like, it's something that can feed people, something that could feed a lot of people, and especially when things like winter come, it's harder to feed people. Salting your pork to make it last longer and having a good harvest and all these things are very important for preservation here in the areas that change uh, in their temperature and their climate. These guys have, of course, also had to look and see more than what the eye sees. And I think about, there's this line in the Mystery Night from Dunk about salt pork. 
Suckling pig was served at the high table, a peacock roasted in its plumage, a great pike crusted with crushed almonds. Not a bite of that made it down below the salt. Instead of the suckling pig, they have salt pork, soaked in almond milk and peppered pleasantly. So below the salt is a really fun phrase. Uh, it, it kind of originates-ish, I think, from medieval times. It could be before, it could be after. Salt was a class-dividing line for the table, right, between the lord and his family who were seated above the salt, where the salt is on a table, and then the servants, guests, etc., would sit below the salt. So salted pork is looked at as something that's probably not served for lords. It's something that would be served below the salt at the table. Yeah, it's really interesting because it is, yeah, obviously very salted, but it's using that salt for preservation as opposed to for flavor, even though it probably imparts that flavor. Honestly, the salted pork in the almond milk peppered, like, that sounds intriguing. I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah. I'm so interested in that. I'm intrigued. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I love I love a suckling pig. Sorry, everyone. I'm sure Me some too. of you do not eat meat, but I love a suckling pig. So, anyway. Yeah, that's, that, that's my insight. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. You've watched Party Down, right? I watched an episode. I keep thinking I'm going to watch um, it one day. I will. I, I you definitely go back. Didn't, are, you are they rebooting it? I think so. I think so. Like they're bringing the folks back, right? Yeah. I think you got to check it out. I, I think you'd like it if they do reboot it. But even if not, I mean, at least it's a sh- quickie. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought it had like quite a few quite a few seasons. But that's right. I think it was pretty, what, one to two seasons or something, yeah, right? Two seasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is basically party down at Sandor and Arya's <laughs> catering service. That's why I asked. <laughs> Also, speaking of salt pork and the winter and them preserving it, I mean, maybe you can't always find salt pork, but maybe you will find, maybe there's just frozen pork lying around somewhere around, especially when winter comes. Yum. I'm getting a little hungry just talking about it. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, pancetta's great. Like, sometimes if I have pancetta, I just go by and, like, take a little quick knife and just take a little chop and chew on it and walk around the house doing chores. It's great. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was talking about cannibalism, but it's okay. Oh, that pork's good too. I mean, <laughs> just don't tell me. Cold hands. You know? This is a. I found this pork out there. Yeah, I don't know why those kids were bitching. Well, they weren't because they don't know. But. They weren't. They're just like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Tastes weird, but okay. Yeah. Okay, Mister Cold Hands. Sandor tries to get into the cook or seward and says that I can unload by the feast tent to ask for such, and they say to ask for suchkins. The men roll a wagon aside to let them enter, and inside are these brightly covered, colored pavilions. They're glimmering. There's all sorts of sigils on them. It's like pink, gold, green, striped, freddy, checky, birds, beasts, chevrons, stars, wheels, weapons. And then Arya spots Lord Smallwood's tent. She remembers Acorn Hall. But for every shimmering tent comes a dark, opaque, or canvas tent. And I'm just saying, Suchkin's name, it just sounds like a plushie. That's it. It does kind of sound like a plushie. That's really funny. <laughs> Suchkin's, the new plushie. Yeah. Suchkin's plushie when? Well, we'll never meet him, so we won't know. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> uh, interesting that all these sigils Arya doesn't know, and you can already tell. The Starks are outnumbered here. These are all sigils that Arya doesn't recognize. Like, there is no place here for Stark Mm. support going on. It doesn't feel great. Uh, Also, I feel like this is reminiscent to when Catelyn goes to Renly's pavilion before his murder. 
Like, mm-hmm. she feels very much like a stranger as she walks these tents. So now Arya is a stranger among these tents while a king gets murdered. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, I love, I love that, that connection. Bad things happened. <laughs> and both of the, I mean, bad things happened at both of these, okay? For Catelyn and to for To quote Arya. a philosopher, bummer for real. Bummer for all, yeah. I mean, at least for Catelyn all. made a See, new whatever. friend out of it. Arya's family's about to die. <laughs> Arya makes a new friend too, Sandor. I think they really get on after this. They met before then, you know? Catelyn made a new friend. She's like, wow, we're in the tent. We witnessed this murder. We're bonded for life. But her life's not going to oh last that much longer, as we see. Uh, I mean, depends on what you consider alive. Yeah, that's also the argument many people make about John, and I am like, I don't know. I think he's still he's still sworn. I don't I don't buy this loophole. Still dead. So barrack tents are also there, and they shelter two score foot soldiers. Oh my god! Again, this is a sign. Uh, biggest of all, though, are the three great feast tents where men have been drinking for hours. Also a sign. Arya hears the clash of cups, toasting, wagons, horses, and dogs in the dark. The music grows louder as they trudge forward, but under that is a deeper, darker sound of the green fork. We have a line of growling like a lion in its den. We get it. The Lannisters are sending their regards. Arya is looking around for a (laughs) direwolf badge or a gray and white tent for a Winterfell face, but all she sees are strangers. Not the horse. Yeah, him too, though. We have this line of, She stared at a man relieving himself in the reeds, but he was an ale belly. She saw a half-dressed girl burst from a tent laughing, but the tent was pale blue, not gray like she'd thought at first, and the man who went running after her wore a tree cat on his doublet, not a wolf. Beneath a tree, four archers were slipping wax strings over the notches of their longbows, but they were not her father's archers. A maester crossed their path, but he was too young and thin to be Maester Lewin. Arya gazed up at the twins, their high tower windows glowing softly wherever a light was burning. Through the haze of rain, the castles looked spooky and mysterious, like something from one of old Nan's tales. But they aren't Winterfell. Oh, this is not home, for sure. It's really not. (laughs) Dorothy, click your fucking heels together. Yeah, get the fuck out. No place like fucking home. Uh, Arya's watching the men crowded under the tents, but they're happy, warm and dry. Some of them are even singing. She's like, oh, this is a fun time. There's that line in that passage that you said. Four archers were slipping waxed strings over the notches of their longbows, but they were not her father's archers. Well, that's a sign, too, because why would you be in the rain at this wedding? slipping strings onto your fucking bow and arrows your quiver going oh time to load up the fucking long bow yeah uh, <laughs> i didn't think about bummer. that yeah yeah you're right and it's it goes back to what you were saying earlier right of she just wants to go home so badly she's like throwing mm-hmm. out all those lessons she's thrown out our serio's lessons she's like whatever fuck my eyes i'm going home yeah dude willing to believe it yeah she's just like whatever that's weird haha <laughs> but i don't know some of the language also makes me think like will we see it echoed when she does return to winterfell right actually when any of the starts Mm. return to winterfell not just her you know being like oh who are these people they're they're wearing gray but i don't know that man or there's a maester he's young and thin but he's not maester lewin right 
Maybe instead of like different sigils, they will be wearing those like wolves or they'll be different Northmen sigils. But all of the things that made it home, turns out it's not like a building. It's the people. Oh, you can rebuild it anywhere. Winterfell yeah. can be rebuilt. But not the here. The roots are strong. Not, not right here. here. <laughs> but the roots are strong. Yeah. Uh, uh, they haven't even died yet again. All right. We have a little mini passage I wanted to shout out. Here's to Lord Edmere and Lady Roslyn, she heard a voice shout. They all drank and someone yelled, Here's to the young wolf and Queen Jane. Who is Queen Jane? Arya wondered briefly. The only queen she knew was Cersei. Yeah, Arya's like, whomst? Whomst <laughs> And I do think it's fascinating the way that Jane Westerling has kind of been kept pretty hush in all of this. And I guess they don't want the whole Queen Jane thing getting out, especially if they're, you know really sworn to the Lannisters, but whatever. Anyways, mm -hmm. presumably Arya, I don't actually know if she knows that her brother has been crowned, or if she does, she hasn't internalized it because obviously she knows that her family's at war, and they're considered rebels. Everyone fucking tells her that. It's often framed as, like, just the North or Northmen are fighting, but not as much as of a new king, so I think that's really interesting, the way that that's been suppressed. Especially because she hasn't put together yet that she's a princess now, not a lady. So I don't know if she actually knows about that. So she's like, who the fuck is Queen Jane? No, I don't think she does because you think back too to Elmar Frey when he was like, I'm not going to marry my princess anymore. And she's like, boo fucking who, bitch. Hope your princess dies. <laughs> yeah. well, she does in a way. And it's reminiscent of when we hear about Sansa later, right? Where Sansa doesn't know any spells. What the fuck are you talking about? And kind of some of your points you made earlier, too, like her not seeing here, she's packed with all these familial like predispositions that like last time she saw Rob, he was a boy. He wasn't yeah. a man. He wasn't even a king, let alone had a girlfriend, let alone a wife, <laughs> let alone a queen. Right. Like he's just Rob. That's how Catelyn felt, too, though. I think when Rob came home with yeah. a wife, you don't even have a girlfriend, let alone a wife. Who is this? She's like, and you've had sex and you're married? <laughs> you're betrothed to someone else. Um, <laughs> oh, God, Rob. Oh, Rob, Rob, Rob. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating how that that bit of him being crowned just didn't make it to, like, I don't know, the Brotherhood Without mm -hmm. Banners or something. No one really even brought that up to her. Harwin. You'd think that Harwin would mention that. Well, but they don't they don't serve Rob, to be fair. They don't, but it see it just feels like something that, you know, would come up. But yeah. I, it's interesting. Anyway. They're gonna serve mommy though. <laughs> She's just a lady. Some there. of them. <laughs> Not a queen. Fire pits are outside the tents, sheltered under wooden canopies, but the wind is blowing the rain sideways, causing the fire to hiss. Serving men are turning meat on spits, and Arya's starting to get real hungry. Girl, I feel that. She asks Sandor if they should stop, that she sees Northmen in the tents, clad in bear skin and seal skin and bearded faces. Her father's men, the young wolf's men, the direwolves of Stark. Your brother will be in the castle. Your mother, too. You want him or not? Yes. What about Sedgkins? The surgeon had told them to ask for Sedgkins. Sedgkins can bugger himself with a hot poker. Clegane shook out his whip and sent it hissing through the soft rain to bite at a horse's flank. It's your bloody brother I want. Ha ha. Ha Get it? Because he's about to be full of, well, maybe less blood than he had yeah, before. I was like, I think it's the opposite of full of blood rain. 
it's such a buildup. Like, I feel like we're at the top of a roller coaster waiting to come all the way down to the very, very, very bottom where everything's horrible and everyone's dead. So. Yeah, I hate that feeling. I hate being at the top of the roller coaster. <laughs> well, you all are going to have to sit at the top of this roller coaster until next time when we're back with the next Aria episode, which is when you get to come down the roller coaster in Aria 11. So uh, you will not actually get to come down from that roller coaster next week. Next week, we are going to be putting out <laughs> Sailor Moon Eternal Part 2 just to make you sit and wait for it. We planned this. So come back week after next. We'll be back March 1st with Aria 11 for the public in a storm of swords. Yeah, we're kicking it off. March. March Madness <laughs> with Aria. March Madness. <laughs> Basketball. Uh, she's going mad. Make an end to it. Aw. Someone's going mad in these chapters. It's Thanks a, for listening. It's us. Yeah. it's us, yeah. It's us. It's us. Eliana, where can they find us on the old internet? Well, well, you can find us in a couple of places, like on Twitter at Girls Gone Canon, that's C-A-N-O-N, or on Blue Sky at Girls Gone Canon. But maybe you also have an email you'd like to send us. You can send it to girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yes, and of course... As mentioned, patrons at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon get a bunch of perks. But not only that, they give us perks every fucking day because it's because of them we do this. Without them, these podcasts would not be out weekly and uh, would not be free of ads and all that jazz. So thank you, patrons. You can join up with them and they're going to also tell you where you can find us online to listen to. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier or above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. And as mentioned, this month we'll be uh, coming out in March with patron episode for Bravos. Can't wait, but catch up with our Hunger Games coverage as well as we continue on to Catching Fire later this year. Patreon.com slash Girls Gone Canon. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ashara Dane, her name rhymes with Clegane, they're not here yet.